This podcast is from the Rand Corporation, a nonprofit institution that helps improve policy and decision making through research and analysis. For more Rand analysis, reports, and commentary on issues at the forefront of today's policy debate, visit www.rand.org. Welcome. I'm Shirley Rui, Director for Congressional Relations at Rand. Thank you for joining us today for our monthly congressional briefing. Today's briefing is being recorded, and you'll be able to find it tomorrow afternoon at www.rand.org. This month, we are privileged to be joined by Ambassador Charlie Rees to hear about his latest report, Improving the Energy Performance of Buildings, Learning from the European Union and Australia. He'll be talking about a study that looks at how Europe and Australia have pioneered new policies to promote energy efficiency in buildings. Today, he'll describe these programs, and he'll discuss the lessons the U.S. can learn from these efforts as Congress continues to deal with energy and climate change legislation. Ambassador Rees is a senior fellow at RAND with an impressive resume. Before coming to RAND, he most recently served as Minister for Economic Affairs and Coordinator for Economic Transition in Iraq at the U.S. Embassy in Baghdad. He has an extensive portfolio, which you will find in your folder. Ambassador Rees. Uh, thanks very much, Shirley, and uh, thanks to everyone to coming out uh, today. Uh, I, uh, uh, I wanted to mention at the outset this, uh, this study that I'm going to summarize today. I had two other co-authors, uh, Joe Jenkins and uh, Oliver Wise, also uh, from RAND. And the other thing I wanted to point out, point out is that this building here, this picture of the building, is the RAND headquarters in Santa Monica. And it is uh, LEED certified gold. Uh, building, and we're very proud of it, and it also works very well. Uh, I was just out there last week. So we, uh, we were fortunate to be able to do this study uh, very much with uh, eye towards giving Congress information uh, as it considers various policy initiatives to tackle energy use in the United States. Um, we uh, also uh, uh, are mindful of the fact that buildings uh, account for 40% of the energy uh, use in the United States, surpassing the industrial or transportation sectors taken alone, and in fact is growing faster than either of those uh, sectors. However, the, I should point out that the growth is uh, largely due to increase in square footage rather than uh, increased energy intensity per square foot. Compared to other sectors, however, uh, uh, buildings are really tough to design energy efficiency policies. They are, of course, uh, uh, very expensive, uh, big capital assets. They uh, have infrequent transactions compared to other kinds of commodities. They are not toasters, that is to say. They're not standardized uh, pieces of equipment. And research also tends to show that buildings rarely perform up to their design expectations. Designers will design a building for a certain level of energy efficiency, and in use, experience has shown that buildings actually rarely come up to the design expectations. Um, information gathering about buildings is tough. Uh, they're complex. Yes, you know what your utility bills are, but uh, in order to do an accurate uh, assessment of why the utility bills are such as they are and what differences would be made by various capital investments, very hard analytically, and it's hard to uh, sort through energy usage data to account for weather and, uh, and usage patterns by the, uh, the users of buildings. 
The building sector is also a small-scale industry judged against other industries with uh, uh, big energy use such as transportation. There are many, many thousands of firms in this country uh, and there are many levels of firms involved from uh, uh, contractors to designers to uh, real estate agents. And then there is the famous landlord-tenant problem. Basically in many buildings that are commercial buildings, uh, the uh, landlord owns all the equipment, all the HVAC equipment, and the tenants pay for the utility bills. So the, uh, the, the problem is that the landlord has a, a split incentive. Uh, should, should they make investments to improve energy uh, use uh, or, uh, with the benefits re reaped by the tenants? So we looked at uh, how two other jurisdictions have tackled these problems. Uh, both in Europe and in Australia, where recent um, uh, new pilot approaches have been brought to this sector. Let me start out by the summary of our key findings. We think that, uh, that, that the issues that both Australia and uh, Europe faced are uh, very similar, and uh, they indeed are common to the problem of increasing building energy efficiency, but the approaches taken have differed. Uh, all building energy efficiency policies in Europe and Australia have the same four basic tools, information disclosure, codes, incentives, and benchmarking. The rollout and in implementation uh, of energy efficiency policies for buildings are especially difficult because of the nature of the sector, but we also think that they, these, uh, uh, these uh, two ex experiences have important lessons that we can learn our, uh, uh, for us. So let me start with the summary of what, what it is that the Australians and the EU has done. The EU focuses on disclosing of information about buildings. The, uh, the Europeans passed a directive, uh, which is a European level uh, legislation, but it is a framework legislation uh, 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 for the European Union to uh, all the member states agreed that they would apply uh, uh, building energy efficiency uh, uh, programs that have common elements. This directive was based uh, on earlier Dutch and German efforts and the, the core is that there will be ratings uh, developed for each building and each unit in buildings and uh, they, these ratings must be presented at, at the time of lease or sale of any such units. So the, uh, the ratings would be standardized, benchmarked, and would con contain information on the energy use or the energy design of, of a unit. But this being European framework legislation, each member state was given the flexibility to design its own program, to choose the elements of uh, building energy efficiency that it, would, uh, that it would choose to rate, to design the rating sheets, to establish a certification program for the inspectors to make it work. And there's been a wide variety of uh, implementation. Some countries, such as the Danes and the Germans, the Dutch, the British, taken this very seriously and undertaken a very thorough effort to come up with good energy efficiency certificate programs. Others, uh, Bulgaria, Greece, some of the other countries that have more financial problems have uh, been rather laggard in the implementation. Um, the EU program also applies a special uh, obligations to public buildings, although it leads, lets each member state define what is public. Uh, the, the basic requirement is that public buildings must prominently post 
the rating that is given for the building. Uh, so it's not just a matter of presenting the rating on a transaction, it's presenting the rating every day to the voters who come and go. Although the legislation was adopted in, at the end of 2002, it actually only became mandatory in the EU on January 1, 2009. The main reason for the extended uh, delay in going live on the implementation was the difficulties in coming up with the standards, uh, training the inspectors, certifying the inspectors, and, and so forth. However, even before it entered into force uh, full-time on January 1, uh, the Commission, the European Commission, proposed amendments and those amendments were adopted last fall. The two key aspects of the amend amendments were that instead of presenting the rating uh, of a building at uh, the transaction, at closure of the transaction, it now must be incorporated in all real estate advertising. All advertising for buildings must include their, their rating. And uh, it requires all the member states to adopt a quality assurance program for the uh, inspection uh, and certification process. Now, Australia has a, a number of elements of the European approach with some add-ons. Um, uh, like the Europe, uh, many of the policies in, in Australia have been pioneered at the state level. There are two big states in, in Australia, New South Wales and Victoria. New South Wales is where Sydney is and Victoria is where, Mel where Melbourne is. And they have uh, pioneered many of these, uh, these policies before adoption at national level. Um, they have a national rating program for buildings, and they also have a, quite a very large uh, voluntary rating called the Green Star Program. They, spent, they put special attention into commercial buildings, and the state governments is, uh, have a role in driving energy efficiency in the commercial sector by, by adopting minimum standards, uh, so-called four Green Star ratings, for spaces that they will consider leasing. But the other innovation in, in Australia is the so-called white certificate program. And white certificates are what uh, uh, also are known as abatement certificates. They allow building owners to acquire rights uh, uh, that they can then sell to uh, parties that are, uh, are obligated under the provincial or the state level cap and trade program in Victoria and New South Wales. And uh, I'll come back to that later, how that, how, how that quite works. So let me talk about the issues that have arisen in Australia and Europe um, uh, in the um, implementation of these programs. We see five main issues that I'll touch on, codes, certificates, uh, the public buildings problem, uh, training and certification of experts, and the white certificate programs. Now, um, there's no doubt that tough building codes, building codes that impo impose tough energy uh, efficiency requirements work. Uh, and in many ways, they are the gift that keeps on giving because once a building is built to high standards of energy efficiency for the life of the building, the, those, most of those energy efficiency gains uh, uh, keep, uh, are, continue to be realized. But the downside of codes is that it is slow to have an aggregate effect since only maybe two or three percent of the total building stock of a country is uh, brought to market uh, in any given year. Of course, in a recession, it's even worse. Now, the major question with codes is how prescriptive uh, to make them. A very prescriptive code that's extremely precise as to minimum level of insulation and window size and shape and performance and so forth helps building materials manufacturers standardize and saves money on implementation. 
The, uh, the other alternative, though, with codes is so-called performance-based codes. And they actually have more potential to drive new design approaches and incentivize some features that are actually quite hard to be prescriptive about but are quite significant for energy efficiency in buildings, like passive features. The big problem with uh, prescriptive codes, uh, I mean, with performance-based codes, is that they are extremely expensive to, uh, to implement and to implement consistently because they require much more highly trained inspectors. Now, energy efficiency certificates. Uh, as I mentioned, this is the center, centerpiece of the European approach. And uh, the key from their standpoint in a information disclosure strategy. These uh, uh, efficiencies are designed, these, these certificates are designed to give value to investments, give capital value to investments in energy efficiency characteristics. In Europe, they've based their uh, certificates program on the uh, appliance rating system that, that they have had for many years, as, as we have had with the Energy Star system. In Europe, their appliance rating systems uh, are based on a letter grade from A is the highest level to G is the, is the bottom level. So most of the European member states in implementing the certificates program for buildings have uh, adopted the same A to G standard. Now, they have already, of course, found, as I mentioned, that the ratings are more effective if they're known before the transaction because at a settlement for a real estate transaction, many documents are, are, are exchanged, as you might imagine. And the goal to making these ratings understandable is to benchmark them. So you're looking at an A rating for a single-family house or a, a B rating for a commercial building of a certain scale. Well, the big problem with the rating system, at least as it's been working out in Europe, is that it, uh, it systematically disadvantages older buildings. And Europe has a lot of older buildings. Uh, older buildings are uh, where uh, much of the energy efficiency gains are to be realized. Uh, yet, uh, it's very hard for an owner of an old, older building to come up with uh, enough investments to bring that uh, building into competition and energy efficiency aspects with the newer buildings. Let me talk a little bit about public buildings. Now, in public buildings, you have the advantage of direct control by uh, the government entity involved. Management and often ownership of the building uh, and the policy formation are all together in, in the governmental uh, institution. And government buildings can can play a vanguard role. They can increase awareness of the whole proposition. The problem with government buildings and, and, and rolling out energy efficiency policies, particularly certificates, public pres presentation of the certificates of energy performance, is they're very expensive because not only do you have to inspect all of the stock public buildings at once or in a short period of time, but often uh, governments feel under an obligation to come up with better than standard energy performance uh, at such a time. And, and so that's very tough to do at a time when budgets are tightly uh, restrained. Um, one of the things that came out uh, as we looked into both Australia and, uh, and Europe is that the ratings, a rating system, a system that's based on information disclosure and ratings is only as good as the experts that give uh, uh, these uh, ratings uh, because uh, it is hard to standardize ratings across the wide variety of buildings in, a, in an economy. 
And uh, if, the, if the ratings work, they create value, and that's the, obviously the objective. But it means that it's very important to have audit uh, quality assurance programs to make sure that the, that the, that the rating is earned and uh, that comparable buildings are treated in a comparable way. And the other aspect about, uh, about experts that I mentioned in passing when I talked about Europe is that you need the most experts on day one. When you implement the program, you need to be able to provide an energy certificate for any transaction. And in Europe, the, the certificates last 10 years. But uh, so over time, the number of annual certificates you will need will decline. But on day one, you need the most. And that has uh, proven to be quite a challenge for the Europeans. Let me talk a little bit about white certificate programs. Uh, as I mentioned, these are ways to connect the building sector to the cap-and-trade uh, uh, program uh, that has been implemented by states in Australia. Now, in states in Australia, the, uh, the, the reduction obligations have been imposed on utilities and certain large industrial users. Uh, in in uh, New South Wales and Victoria, the additional fill-up is that the utilities are themselves owned by the state. So the idea was to uh, incentivize investment in energy efficiency in order to reduce the capital requirements for new, new utility construction and to hold down energy consumption at the state level. The problem in designing a, a functioning white certificate program for a sector as diffuse and numerous as the building sector is defining what happens in the uh, in the business as usual. If you didn't have white certificates, what kinds of investments would be made because you want to incentivize the additional energy efficiency investments rather than what was going to happen anyway. And it's also uh, important to uh, appreciate how hard it is to specify investments that would be eligible for white certificates among the multiplicity of possible ways improving building energy efficiency. And uh, it's difficult to verify that the investments promised are actually made so as to give the white certificates value. Now, one of the, the first experiment was in New South Wales and it didn't actually go that well. What happened was that the government expected most of the take up of white certificates to be done in the commercial sector. In fact, most of the take up was in the residential sector and it was as a result of aggregators who offered free compact fluorescent lamps or low flow shower has very low cost uh, capital equipment uh, to building owners if they would just sign a certificate saying that they promised to put them in, in place. And then the aggregators put together these tens of thousands of these certificates and sold them to the utility for, the, for, the, um, uh, for uh, their value in terms of reducing the utility's uh, reduction uh, uh, obligations. Studies afterwards found that only uh, about 40% of these, these energy-saving equipment uh, was actually installed and utilized, which uh, was uh, quite a shock, I think, to everyone involved. And in fact, that program has been ended. So uh, bring it to a close. Let me talk about what we think the lessons are for the US as we consider analogous policies. First of all, since 40% of US energy is uh, used in buildings, any energy efficiency program has to deal with buildings. And if you're going to deal with buildings, codes and Titan codes are fundamental. 
uh, economically uh, energy efficiency characteristics of buildings are the cheapest when they're designed in uh, and uh, incorporated in new construction. There's nothing that, comp that compares to that. Second, we think that ratings uh, are appealing in principle, but tricky and expensive to make work. The reasons for this are the non-standardization of buildings, the landlord-tenant problems that I mentioned. You know, landlords would like to have design ratings since they rate the building on the fact, the things that the, buildings, that the building owner can control, whereas the tenant then can uh, do whatever he wants uh, and uh, not have an impact on the uh, capital value of the building. And uh, also there's, there's obviously questions uh, of regulatory reach. Um, third, we think that uh, any building energy efficiency program has to have a special, pay special attention to the incentives for owners of older buildings because that's where the big energy savings uh, are to be found. These buildings by and large perform uh, at, at lower levels than, than newer buildings. Uh, but if you have a rating system that compares all buildings uh, in a sector uh, uh, on the same kind of scale, it's very hard for the older buildings owners to get the uh, uh, the benefits to justify the investment. You might think of this as if you have the European system, you have a building that's a B-rated building, and you can make some investments and bring that building up to an A. A lot of times, uh, and the, the data shows this, that the, there is a very significant capital appreciation that you get for having an A-rated building as opposed to a B-rated building. But if you're down with an E-rated building and you, and you face a situation to get a D rating, you have to make almost as much, if not more, in terms of capital investments to, to improve it from an E to a D, you often, though, don't see, and the evidence is that there isn't much of a benefit between a relatively, you know, fifth, uh, fourth decile, a fourth uh, decile to a third decile improvement in, in uh, building energy, uh, uh, energy performance. Fourth, um, public buildings uh, are important in any program, they can raise awareness and they can bring about real savings because their, their public buildings are so ubiquitous in most, uh, in most countries, including this one, but it is really expensive in terms of capital uh, and administration to, uh, to make those changes. Um, we, fifth, uh, the, the role of experts is critical uh, to uh, uh, the success of any program that's, that, that involves individual rating and certification of buildings. And uh, that can be distorted by the incentives in the program. And once the credibility of an energy efficiency rating system is lost, because ins inspectors take it lightly or do not tackle it, it's very, very hard to recover. Um, sixth, white certificate programs are difficult to implement. I think this is what happened in Australia. There's a great deal of enthusiasm at the outset for uh, for uh, white certificate programs, but they have been tough to administer uh, given the diffuse and non-standardized uh, nature of the building sector. Seventh, uh, and this is maybe uh, counterintuitive, no matter what you do in terms of buildings uh, ratings, uh, make them mandatory as the Europeans have done, there still is a role for voluntary ratings uh, schemes, uh, like the LEED scheme in this country or Energy Star, where building owners uh, voluntarily put their building up for enhanced uh, uh, ratings based on, a, on, on tougher criteria. These 
kinds of programs, even where there are mandatory ratings, can impose a more ambitious criteria for building owners to qualify, and they can pilot assessment certification approaches that might make sense for the broader sector. And so it isn't an either or. Um, and finally, one of the things that, uh, as an analyst, uh, one finds uh, uh, distressing about the whole sector is how little data there is. And it seems to us that as you design new uh, programs of whatever sort for building energy efficiency, it's important to design in measurement and uh, evaluation uh, characteristics from the outset and to provide uh, whatever agency you're going to make responsible for the, for the program the resources to do the analysis because some of the, some of the findings as the Europeans and Australians have proceeded to implement these programs have been less than they expected and uh, it would be important to, uh, to know that from the top. This presentation is provided as a public service by the RAND Corporation. Visit www.rand.org to learn more about these issues and to explore RAND's free online library of more than 10,000 policy reports and commentaries.